0: Hello, and welcome to the WooCast episode number 41 with Nicole Hodges. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliette. And we're here to explore, explore all things weird and woo woo. It threw me off there. I messed it up. It's okay. We'll
1: keep it in. No editing necessary. <laughs> I don't like
0: it if it's too perfect.
1: There we go. Uh, today's guest, Nicole Hodges, super. Excited to have her on the show. I've been keeping up with her. And she is a sexual freedom philosopher, a journalist reporting on psychedelics, and the author of the Dr. Seuss-style book about orgasms called Oh, the Places You'll Go, Oh, Oh. She is the founder of the men's mental health movement Men Who Take Baths and Girls Who Say Fuck which is an incubator for ideas that instigate change, including rebranding of virginity to sexual debut. As a lifestyle dominatrix, she teaches women about power through the art of dominance and submission. You can find her work on MenWhoTakeBaths.com, which we will link all of this in the show notes and girlswhosayfuck.com. Well, clearly we had to have an explicit show, but we didn't even know it, but we curse all the time. And you can also find her on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse. And again, we'll link to all of that in the show notes. This conversation was fascinating, and I didn't even know, oh, the places we would go, oh, oh. I love that. (laughs) Uh, In terms of talking about sexuality, what does it mean? Not even in relation to actually having sex, talking about sexual energy, sensuality cultivating creativity and I learned so much from talking to her and I really just thought we were going to be talking about men who take baths and this whole uh, idea of modern masculinity and what that means and uh, I was excited for you know to have Mackie by my side on this one.
0: Yeah yeah it was cool because this conversation really jumped into a whole different arena than we originally had intended but it was great. I love when, it, when things just blow organically.
1: Yeah, because I've been calling in an episode about sex. And uh, I know that's so broad. But we definitely touched on some things that I've been thinking about with feeling a lot of shame around sex and powerlessness and role, gender identity and the roles we play. And so we get into, I would say this is a really great episode first conversation about all the topics that I'm really interested in when it comes to sexuality. And uh, stay tuned at the very end because I definitely wanted to talk to her about BDSM and the role that that plays. So uh, we are going to go right into it today. Uh, Just quick, quick, quick. I want to plug myself that I am still offering free 60-minute coaching calls for anyone who feels called to have the experience of working together even just for one healing session so I can take you through a guided transformative meditation and do some subconscious work with you and just hear where you're at in your life and if I can be a support so I'm offering those free sessions just reach out to me and really no strings attached just a free healing session to see if you like this kind of work you can begin to do it on yourself I can guide you to more resources Or if you do want to work together long-term, I am available for just a couple one-on-one slots right now. And here we go. Here is Nicole.
0: Let's do it.
1: Hey guys, Juliet here. Just letting you know, there are a couple of audio difficulties that you will hear in this episode for about thirty seconds, uh, two times, I believe. And we tried our best to edit them out, but it was just not possible. So enjoy this episode; it is so worth it, and we can't wait to hear what you think. Well, thank you for coming on and taking the time to do this. We're really excited, um, and congrats on the men's health write-up. Yeah. I just, I just read the article; it's awesome.
2: Thank so you. So cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, that feels like a pretty big win. That's a, a huge that's a, win. Yeah. That's, that's one of those like, uh, affirming moments in life for sure. It was, I, I let myself feel all the feels about that one. Yeah. That's great.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. great. Uh, I love that that guy like went through the whole process and everything. I was like, <laughs> so detailed. This is so, like, yeah. it was like, he wrote a novel too. It wasn't just like a small article. Like he really went yeah, into it.
2: He did. And it was really, uh, it was really cool to have him actually be part of the process. Um, and I didn't know he was going to write it from a first person perspective. So it was really cool to see it written that way. I really liked it.
1: Cool. Well, Mackie yeah. hit record already. And we're you know, we going to take we're going to keep that yeah. in there because So I want everyone to, you know, also here, like, congrats on that. And uh, we're here with Nicole. So excited to have you on yeah, the show welcome to
0: the WooCast.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk all things Woo or whatever you want to talk about. But I mean, I definitely want to get into like what you're doing and, you know, of course, men who take baths like that alone is going to grab at least my attention. <laughs> and I know uh, I'm going to let Mackie kind of lead this show more because I want to take a backseat as as, a, you know, a woman identify, identify as a woman. And I just want to like, let you kind of go in with the whole talking about masculinity and modern masculinity and all the jazz. So. I was hooked <laughs>
0: from the instant that Flynn taught, told us about it on the podcast. You know, just I mean, I love baths. And it's like, I will take a bath every single day.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you don't have any weirdness around it, no, not like at all. any shame or Mm-mm. you you've always like, I you. and he'll light incense and candles and like make it the whole oh, yeah. thing.
2: <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's funny The the bath has become this symbolism for really like owning like, yeah, I'm a man. I take baths. It's totally fine. Um, the, the journals that asked me like, where did th- this idea come from? And I, I like really tried to figure it out because it felt like it was, it felt like it was a moment that just, that just, just came to me. And I, I, I didn't think there was anything that had would really contributed to it. I mean, obviously besides we, we think of creative ideas and it's like, you know, your entire life led to that moment of having it be actualized, but I do recall, if I think back, that I had a friend of mine say, like, I love taking baths, but I don't feel like I can talk about it because it doesn't seem manly. And so that must have been a seed planted in my head at some point. And then, you know, life happens and um, the idea kind of came to me. And I describe it as it came to me with such clarity that it felt like more of a memory of something that I had already done and less of an idea of something that I had yet to
0: do. I love that. Whenever you... I find that whenever you have something like that, where I call it a remembering, and it's, it feels like something that you've always known, even though you just thought of it, that's when you know you're on the right path. That's when you know you need to, to jump right in.
2: Yeah. I, I like, I, I had the same, I had the same feeling when I wrote my book, the, the orgasm book. Um, it felt like I had like reached up into this place, which I think is like the creative space. And I, like, I felt like I grabbed something when I was there and brought it back down. And it was like, creativity is for everyone and creative ideas are for everyone. And I think when you tap into that, you know, collective consciousness, it's, it's your responsibility to do something with it. Once you do touch in on that thing, otherwise someone else will take whatever energy is supposed to come through that project and, and they'll do it in a different
0: right. way. Yeah. I
2: think it's like, a, it's really, it's a, it's a gift. I feel and, and and you know not to like is that in so, our headphones are we can is there, edit that. is there a
0: beeping noise behind you oh
2: jeez yes really that cut. is that's, 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 that's okay funny. we'll just pause for a second but,
1: until so, i think it's like a truck backing up
2: it totally is i live in i live in uh chinatown and oh, nice. <laughs> are they delivering <laughs> it's wildly entertaining but yeah they're uh there's a there's a truck delivering what looks like frozen dumplings oh my just gosh so you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, we used to live in chinatown in philadelphia so we totally get it and it was just like hustle and bustle all the time and we would have sirens in the background and be like you know what we live in a city and we're not going to edit because this is just too, too much this I, is the, this is
2: where we are yeah. this is what we're doing i love that you said something and i actually am a little bit proud that it didn't even phase me like i actually you're like what's that beeping i was like what i'm just it's just, <laughs> life oh. oh i didn't even think about it I was, I was
1: born in new york city and i used to like like brag that like those sounds would lull me to sleep like that's not really now that i'm like <laughs> removed from that and i live we live in the mountains now we just we moved oh, yeah. to boulder colorado uh, about almost three months ago so yes. i'm like that's not really a good brag to be like yeah the sound of you know ambulances would just lull me right to sleep as a baby
2: I, yeah <laughs> mechanisms
0: but well we would we would go to like the catskills and we would have after being in the city the like it would just hurt my ears because it'd be so quiet deafening wow the deafening silence never never sounded so right but then i'd start
1: to cry hysterically (laughs) yeah because and that's how i really knew like my nervous system need it needs like it needs nature it just was every time we would go to a place that was just in you know really removed from city the city i would just every time just start sobbing like you know first it would start with just like oh the quiet the beauty of nature and then my body would just be like and it's time to release and i would just start like crying hysterically like and i think it was just my nervous system was always kind of on high alert and in the state of like constant fight or flight living in the big cities and also like working a million hours a week at the time and all the things so having wow. a break showed me a lot, like, oh wow, my system is like on hyperdrive all the time
2: yeah i uh I totally resonate with that i had a i had a, a mush i went on a mushroom trip a few weeks ago, and I saw myself sitting on my grandmother's back porch in the okanagan in Penticton, uh listening to wind chimes, drinking tea and watching a willow tree just blowing in the wind off in the distance and I was like, Ugh, I need to go, I need to just spend a month living with my grandmother in like a slow space and just be content staring at a willow tree. And so I'm doing that for August. Oh, nice. that sounds so nice. That's and perfect.
1: going back to creativity, it's interesting. We we're talking about this, like pulling from like this creative mm-hmm. source energy. I think a, a lot of people move to city environments to be around creative types and have like a lot of creative flow and energy. I found that I sort of like hit an expiration date on that where I was no longer in creativity at all. Like I couldn't even go there. I just was like, everything was super stagnant and I think just so, and I was in a state of stress. Now that we're here, I'm like creativity. Oh my God. Like being in the nature and being like in and having space is giving me back a sense of creativity and wanting to like create out of from nothing. And It's an interesting correlation, just going back to talking about like pulling from that.
2: Yeah. And I, I think where I felt most choked off from my creativity is when I felt most disconnected from my sexuality as well. And if I'm in a state of stress, I'm not able to relax and I, and I, and I kind of shoot up and live in my head and I'm not grounded down in my body. And so whenever I feel like I can finally, I can, I can finally sink into my body. And I, and I kind of like start to move that sexual energy. It's almost like these gates unlock, like, like deep inside of me where creativity can flow again. And it's almost instant. Like it's, it it's astounding to me, the difference between when I am almost like nervous to engage with the world or I close up for whatever reason, how you know, synchronistic events don't happen to me as much the The flow of relationships don't seem to to be as as easy. It's almost like i like I feel alone. um and then the second that I turn myself on in in whatever way, and that doesn't necessarily need to be like you know it doesn't mean to be having sex, but it just means like being turned on and awake to life again, it's almost like. I tap back into or I'm 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 in step again with the universe, which like for me, uh, I found that eroticism keeps me in that state of connection.
1: Yeah, I would love to. I want to talk about men who take baths, but because we're here yeah. and it's definitely something that I've been wanting to talk about on the show for a while. And I think you are the perfect person to chat about this can you talk a little bit more about tapping into like that eroticism? And I think in our culture, uh, sex and eroticism get very like convoluted and people have a very challenging relationship to their sexuality and their sexual freedom and their, uh, ability to like, let go. And, you know, of course we don't cultivate that. Like we are taught a lot of Really mixed messages um, depending on you know where you went to school or your parents or you know what era you were born in so what got you into that in general like being you know someone who's into sexual freedom and helping people with
2: that overcoming a lot of shame within myself and um, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation now because i I still struggle it's like the the work that I'm creating I think Truly, why it's authentic is because I'm I'm creating as I'm remembering or as I'm learning and as I'm deconstructing. Um so so people are kind of invited to quite literally like be part of the journey as it's happening. And it's not, it's not pre-planned and it's it's not <laughs> it, it it is quite literally giving people access to my life as as it's happening, as I'm learning, and and then what comes of that, and a lot of that is overcoming shame. And I still struggle with this deep belief that I have inside of me that my sexuality will create chaos in the world. And if I allow myself to tap into that energy and let it flow, it's so powerful. And like I said, it's, 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 it's like, it's instant, the moment that I allow myself to feel. Turned on by life and tap into erotic energy, things start moving around me at a rapid pace. And if I for a second try to control it or corral it or get scared of it because I think that that movement is synonymous with chaos, then I close myself up and I choke myself off, and that creativity is almost gone. It's, It's not accessible to me. And so a lot of the work that I do is deconstructing the ideas that I created for myself quite young in my life where I, in order to, to exist safely, I couldn't express myself sexually. And that's that the, the thing that's shame as I've come to understand it is so insidious because it's, it, it's almost throughout your whole body. It's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to look at one moment where you became ashamed of your sexuality. And, So I have to take the entirety of my life and I have to say, okay, I I want to heal all of that, not just for myself, but for whoever comes after me. And, you know, again, like if we're all connected, um, women are like the roots of this beautiful tree that expands through all of time. Like, I believe that the more that I heal myself and the more that I heal these, these wounds that I have with my sexuality and my sexual freedom, I'm doing it for the women that have already existed and for the women that will exist. And I think that's what gives me the courage to dive into this deep work and, and, and do a lot of deconstructing. Um, so, so sexual freedom is not necessarily this feeling like I can sleep with anybody I want. What it is is realizing the magnitude of power that comes from being okay with how much energy I can move when I feel turned on.
1: Yeah. And if, how do you, would you explain like being turned on by life or that like eroticism, you know, that orgasmic kind of energy? Cause I, again, I think it's hard when people don't have a, um, they're like a jumping off point for this stuff. For those who are hearing this maybe for the first time, like, what do you mean? orgasmic sexual energy not having to do with me actually like having an orgasm. Yeah. Like, how would you explain uh, that to people?
2: I mean, sensuality, I think if we use the word sensuality maybe people can kind of hook on to that in an easier way, but something that I've truly found is surrounding myself with beauty. Um that can turn me on because if I'm if I'm surrounded by flowers for instance, or if I'm walking down the street and I notice the way that the sun is hitting the leaves and the trees, and I take a second to just appreciate that, and I'm reminded in that moment that I'm alive. Just that moment, that just that moment of slowness. When I say when I say I'm turned on, I also just mean that I recognize that I'm in a body that can feel. That's what it feels like. Is 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 being turned on by life, being in a state of eroticism, really is recognizing the aliveness all around you and that you're here to witness it.
1: It's so funny you're saying that because in that men's health article, one of the guys who was a part of the group, he said something that I quoted here, which is when you feel something, you're being yourself. And he said, I think one of the things we're most scared of is being ourselves.
2: Yeah. And Um, there's a lot
1: of shame, right? With showing up, as ourselves. And I have a really hard time with like the question of who am I like, mm-hmm. you know, I know Mackie, you've been doing a lot of automatic writing and you've been asking yourself that like every day, right? Yeah.
0: Like- each morning I write, who am I? And and just let it flow, see what happens.
2: That's, that's so cool because I, I run this course on power dynamics for, for women, um, through the lens of dominance and submission, um, using, you know, BDSM Um, to tap into or help them again, just remember their inherent power. And one of the exercises I took from this adult summer camp that I'd gone to, where we had to stand across from a stranger and we had to ask 10 times, who are you? And the first five times you kind of use these like superficial markers about like your gender, your occupation, or um, even like how you're feeling in that moment. And then by the fifth one, you kind of like run out of these things. And then you stand there, you're like, fuck I don't know (laughs) and and, you know by like six and seven you're going like deep inside of yourself just being asked like who are you and then by the end you're kind of like nothing I guess Mm -hmm. and everything I suppose and that's the cool thing about that exercise is like who are you um another philosopher I like Nietzsche talks about the will to power and that the will to power what what is power it's the ability to be yourself and how much you're able to be yourself but how much you're able to be yourself is so influenced by the cultural like the culture that you're born into and the history that that culture is born out of yeah so so it's a lot of as,
1: as we get older and we can have discernment about oh I don't really like living this way, or this doesn't really feel like good in my body. Um, You know, one might call that an awakening for a lot of people in their awakening to their, their truth and their power and realizing at least what I've realized, you know, is that everything is true and everything is untrue. There is no, (laughs) you know, like it's whatever you want it to be. Right. And, you know, what is consciousness? Perhaps it's just like creativity experiencing itself.
2: Right. Who
1: knows?
2: So, you know. Sorry, there's a, I just wanted to, before it flutters out of my, there's another, there's a Greek philosopher, Heraclitus, I believe it's pronounced. And he talked about this thing called the unity of opposites, which is essentially that, like we talk about like darkness and light and and day and night. And you're saying, you know, like everything and nothing. And so essentially he's saying that because one thing cannot exist without the other, all things are, are there for one. Which is which is kind of what you're saying, which i just i think is really interesting. I just wanted to 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 point that out
1: yeah, and if that's and then if that's the case, this whole idea of being yourself and you know authenticity, whatever you know that's such a buzzword, right? I think it's a buzzword because it's resonating with people because they yearn they yearn for that, where there aren't masks on, and people aren't just like talking bullshit, small talk, you know, f- so afraid to to express right so how do we cultivate expression within ourselves where it feels right and safe to do so and i, I think, think it, you're doing a lot of that with people thank you
2: i think we have to let go of this idea that we arrive at a place and suddenly we are something and i think that's really scary because we want to get somewhere we want to arrive at a place and be like oh i'm i'm me now and i definitely have those moments where i'm like i'm very me in this moment and then I understand that like paradise or this idea of like reaching this like utopia of self, it only exists because we're striving towards it. And we we all know that paradise, paradise until we set up a tent. Right. And it's like the moment we try to stay in one state is the moment that we that we let go of all other possibilities of becoming.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I believe that it's so important to challenge ourselves with like change and yeah. and doing different things differently and take a left instead of always taking a right. And just like even the smallest little things for people just to expand your possibilities and who you might run into or what might happen, you know, like the mystery, the mystery and the magic of life is really something that I'm really tapping into myself. And um, yeah, I guess going back to helping support, people with sexual freedom and women in in particular, what have you found that are some really like places to start? Like what if, if somebody is listening right now and they're like, I feel so like, I just don't feel like I'm in my power. I don't, I never want to have sex or I don't feel turned on or I rarely do, or I'm just in a rut or I just feel like a lot of shame. Like what are some words of, you know, advice or support that you can offer for that?
2: First of all, the dumpling truck is backing up again. Bring it on!
1: Let's go dumplings. Watch later. I'm going to want dumplings and then not realize why I'm asking for dumplings for dinner.
0: I already want dumplings.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, I'm assuming you can hear it again. Oh, it stopped. Oh, but
1: there's another truck. It's all good. This is raw. This is raw, real
2: podcast. Everybody, it's all good. Yeah. Um. Well, here like okay, so part of part of something that you even said before about about creating change, you know even just like taking a left the, these things are all connected and I used to do this thing called the a, a day of yes and I think this is a great place to start in terms of just like tapping into your intuition, your creativity, and that that aliveness for life and I would set out with a backpack on and a few things in the backpack no. to get me through the day so whatever came my way was handled. Um, and I would just leave. And every decision I made was based on my intuition from which coffee shop to go into or not, and which direction to turn on the street and who to talk to. And if, if that little voice in my head said, go this way, or ask this person about their shoes, whatever it is, I would just do it. And I, so I had these days of yes, where I allowed anything to be possible. And I just allowed myself to experience that. And the, I mean, really long story short, it's how I ended up at Burning Man. It's how I ended up with this question of what if everything you think you know about yourself is wrong. And it was the difference between my head telling me something that I thought I was supposed to believe and my, and my intuition guiding me towards something that could be a new version of myself that I didn't even know was possible. And so the answer about like sexual freedom is not necessarily to try to be a more sexual person or to think that you're, you have a, you have a sexuality deficit or that what you're doing is not enough. It really is about tapping back into your intuition and believing that that energy is going to guide you to where you need to go because sexual energy is so expansive and we try to shove it into this narrow scope of what constitutes sex or what constitutes sexuality but sexual energy is so intrinsic with creative energy and creative energy is 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 all around us it is that great place of everything and nothingness
1: yeah i think this would be a great place to segue into roles in terms of masculinity and femininity and the masculine and the feminine i mean you know, we've talked a lot on this show, we touched on it, we haven't had an episode about the masculine, the feminine, which I, I want to have disappear episode around those concepts and what they mean energetically. Um, You know, if you're looking at traditional Chinese medicine, yin and yang, like these things exist as as energies within us. So it's not like if you're a woman, you only have feminine energy, you have both and same if you're a man, you have both. But let's talk a little bit about just gender roles and what got you excited to work with men, especially, you know, and what have you, how have you seen this take shape and what, you know, men are dealing with, with modern masculinity and what that means?
2: Yeah, I, wow. So men who take baths started in 2017 right around me too. And it was really cool to capture men in this very specific moment of time where the shift was taking place. Uh, and the shift was taking place because there was this, the realization of rampant sexual assault and m- men really being able to see that women on their timeline, their sisters or mothers, whoever had experienced some form of, of, of sexual assault in their lifetime. And I remember seeing this and thinking to myself, oh no, we are going to become so afraid. Men in particular are going to become so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they're not going to say anything at all. And a lot of the men that I, I knew wanted to participate in this conversation that was happening around me too, but they didn't, they didn't know how. And know, I think it's been described as a pendulum and like, yes, the, the me too pendulum had to swing so far as, as a bit of a wrecking ball to obliterate a lot of bad behavior and unearth a lot of abhorrent behavior, uh, through, through men in terms of subjugating women. Um, but I believe we have an opportunity for a lot of healing now and, women being in this, I would say, position of power where we no longer have to stand for a lot of that behavior. And because the culture, again, like culture does protect women. And I think this is a difficult thing for a lot of people to understand. And and one of my, one of my uh, favorite philosophers talks about this uh, a lot in that Culture is what protects us, and if we are currently in a culture that's that's saying to men, you can note this this behavior is no longer permissible. It doesn't mean that that behavior is not possible, but now the repercussions of the former behavior before me too are 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 worse. But we can't become obsessed with call out culture because of that. So, if women are in this position of power, how do we now lead men? into becoming more whole versions of themselves through the process of telling them, hey, what you've been conditioned to believe is permissible is is no longer permissible. Let's also set you free from that idea that you have to behave in a certain way by showing you other ways of being and allowing you to also express and reconcile within yourself these things that you've been told are wrong, such as vulnerability, openness, um, showing emotion when those things are synonymous with being a woman or that they're inherently feminine. And then you are groomed to believe that anything feminine is weaker or less than you. How can we tell men that it's okay for them to show these things to us? If, if if they've been taught that it's wrong. So it's a fucking mess. I know that's a lot of information, but men who take baths, the reason it was created was to, and I mentioned this in that, you know, men's health article, heal the divide. It's meant to, it's meant to heal. And in Jungian psychology, the immersion in the bath for the the Greek um, warrior Odysseus, after he came back from war, it was the immersion into his feminine psyche. He came back from war bruised and broken, And it was the goddess Circe that put him in the bath and 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 sunk him into his feminine psyche so he could become whole and he could heal. And you know, the root the root of of healing is wholeness. The the root word of, of healing is wholeness. And so if we truly want to heal, we have to allow for opportunity for wholeness. And that means that we have to allow opportunity for reconciliation.
1: Yeah, and it can't just be women who have the opportunity to seek counseling when it comes to their psyche and to heal their root causes of trauma and pains, because it doesn't matter what gender you are, identify as, we all go through things. And in order for us all to be heal and whole, we have to ex- be able to express ourselves and, and feel comfortable. And like, it's again, safe to, to do that. Yeah. And I also think women, you know, how women have been conditioned to perceive men uh, is also something we are healing, right? And allowing men to show up differently and accepting that, you know, because I know for a lot of women, they've perceived, oh, men who show emotion as being weak and not going to be a good provider for me, or even just the idea that the men are the providers and they're the ones to, to keep, to keep things, you know. Safe and to support me and and be the and the person who comes home with the you know with the bacon and the family like there's a lot of things on both sides that I think have a lot of healing happening yeah. and yeah it's
2: just a lot. The really and, and I have to say to men too, and this is why this is why these workshops that I run that help women remember their their power. It's that if we are also asking of men to kind of release some of the burden of, let's say, keeping everything together, or making all the money or whatever it is, if we're if we're also asking them to like, put down their shields and show us what's behind all of that. We also have to reassure them in a, in a sense that we as women can handle it, that we we've got this for you as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's part of it is Simultaneously, helping women remember their power and and their gifts, and when we talk about equality, this is a funny hand gesture people do, and I know we're on a podcast. I'll do my best to explain it, but they put one hand up and they say, "Men are men are here, and women, we need to rise to men," Mm -hmm. and they always are. Thing as if like there's something divine about the place that men are that we need to reach them. Equality is having the opportunity to do an exceptional job in being women, which does not mean rising to some arbitrary level of men. It means being able to tap into the power of what it means to lead as women. And that is that is a heart-centered place. And yeah. if we can show them that we're capable of doing that as well by by not punishing them for the pain that they've also gone through and then put on us, that's how we heal is is not is not to become <sighs> I don't know vindictive is the word I don't think that's the word but but not to use this opportunity of of being in a place or position of power um to to say you've wronged us for so long yeah like now
1: we're going to put the pussy on a
2: pedestal like yeah. you're
1: all like bow down now to the pussy power
2: and I don't yes. think that we want that I don't think that reasonable feminists want that. Um, and I don't think I don't think men will 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 be drawn to the movement towards equality and freedom if that's the approach that we take.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think again, putting things in boxes, putting sexuality in boxes, putting gender in boxes, putting people in boxes in general, I think mm-hmm. is really dangerous. but also we look to, we look to these standards as a way of being like, okay, I'm okay if I can yeah. abide by these rules and these guidelines, and if I'm being a man in this way, okay. Society and culture is telling me that now to be a a real man, I have to be like this, or women are looking, okay, to be a woman in this day and age, I have to do this. But what about the person that you are? Going back to like cultivating yourself, right? And that's. That's looking beyond some of that. Those structures are can be helpful, but they can also be very hurtful. In that you don't really feel like you're in your power when you're just going through the motions of, all right, this is what it means to be a woman now, and this is what it means to be a man now.
2: It's it's interesting that you would say that. I want to say there's a big truck going by. Uh, oh, sushi deliveries! Just nice. to give you guys update, <laughs> Happening of China. Um, <laughs> So Simone de Beauvoir, in her book *The Second Sex*, which was written in like 1940, somewhere between 1942 and 1949, it was published, or 59 rather, um, she talks about trans people as angels, and she says trans people are angels mm-hmm. because they will show us that gender is a construct. And at the time, that was just like a mind-blowing idea. But even now, I find it really fascinating when we're seeing the um, the, the the rise of the of the non-binary terminology and when we're we're talking more about trans rights the people that are essentially fucking with gender norms show us just how absurd gender is and so even using gendered language like I'm I, I use gender language in the projects that I do men who take baths girls who say fuck but I also use that to have this kind of like like stake in the ground, because I believe it's what we're growing away from. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be able to show how far we've come when talking about men per se is just like, it's, it's a, it's a non thing. It's Mm -hmm. like how you might identify, but that you get to fill that vessel with whatever that means to you. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just I do believe that we're evolving in this way and it's kind of opening up the pearly gates of just letting yourself like tap into unlimited potential of whomever you want to show up as and whatever you whoever you want to, you know, make love to or be with. And uh, it's definitely I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime that we really see it completely take form, but it's happening. You know mm-hmm. it's happening in pockets, and you're seeing it, and it's I actually was listening to this psychic intuitive, and she was saying like that this is actually the like hum- evolution of humanity, that there will not be genders, like genders will not exist eventually. like we're rising right. into an like I actually got a chill just now saying that like I feel like that's very much and I heard that i I felt like that was very much real like eventually it will just be human like we're just human beings or beings, you know that are connecting with one another in any way that feels right.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, we have to, for some people they still need to deconstruct what the idea of being a man is in order to then continue on in another way. You know, there, there's still people and, you know, one of my favorite conversations, I mean, they're all my favorite conversation, but Christopher Bautista he's one of the men that I had in the bath and he's part of season one of the YouTube series. Um, you know, I, I, I asked him people who see what we're doing and, and, and see men who take baths and are like, yeah, those are people that already get it. You know, how do we reach people that don't get it, that are sexist or racist to varying degrees or don't understand the non-binary movement and, and and are and are stuck in this idea of gender roles and his answer was art that art is what is going to allow us to see other perspectives and i i believe in i believe in that um I even think about the origin, like the origin of the word empathy. And the word empathy comes from the art community where it meant to, to look at a painting, to stand in front of a piece of art and to have it move you and to, to, to feel whatever it is that that piece of art is supposed to show you. And, and Men Who Take Baths is based on empathy. It is being able to witness the lived experience of another and hopefully see a piece of yourself in their story and love them as you wish to be loved because you don't recognize yourselves as, as separate now. Mm -hmm. Or
1: even just recognize yourself, right? In the way that others look at you. This is something I find really fascinating in, you know, how you see yourself when you look in the mirror, or when you just think about yourself and your, you know, the esteem you have for yourself. I know this is, I'm a, you know, this is still a work in progress for me with not, with having a lot of imposter syndrome or feeling like I'm not enough. And it's gotten so much better. I have a lot of tools now, my toolbox to support me with that. But, you know, I think that when it's ingrained in you for so long, it's one of those kind of neural programs that just likes to play like on a regular basis it's like it's like i relate it to like windows 95 i'm like really it's fucking old as shit come on like we are not, like why are you playing this like why is this on the computer but sometimes yeah. it just pops up so yeah you know seeing yourself the way others see you i think that's really powerful practice i was in a women's circle recently and we did some partner uh work where we had to trade Trading pe- with people we didn't know, and we did the mirror exercise, which is just looking into each other's eyes and not saying anything and just looking, looking into the window of the soul, basically. And everyone was just crying. You know, yeah. it's one of those moments where you're, you just are like, you're just, you know, a soul experiencing yeah. being in a human body, and. Who knows, you know, if we chose this, if this was our sole contract to come in here like this, but you know, how, and then how that person was seeing me and how I was seeing them was, that felt so much more true than how we see ourselves, Yeah, you know? And I was like, I would love to get a glimpse of how that person was seeing me. That would be so healthy for this, you know, that would be such a healthy thing if I could just like, can you just show me your lens? Because I don't think I'm (laughs) seeing myself the way that you're seeing me because you're, it, I can feel the connection that you're having. Wow. And those wow. kind of exercises, you know, women for centuries have been doing things like circles. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I see more men's groups which mm-hmm. is really exciting. And Mackie, you were invited to one recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, Mike Brigatelli on the show who uh, Mike Adelic is his podcast and he runs men's groups. And he's really passionate about them. He actually lives right here in Colorado. So we are now we're neighbors. But yeah, I'm curious, Mackie, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but like your idea of, you know, masculinity and, you know, Mm -hmm. how how that's been for you growing up. And now has that changed, you know?
0: Yeah, it's been it's been interesting for me because I grew up in such these sports worlds where, you know, my whole life. Up until college and through college, was involved with uh, these sports teams and these like hyper masculine arenas, and um, you know I had a really interesting balance because when I was living in in college with my like, we lived together, we played baseball, we were spending you know ninety hours a week together, and you know when I wasn't with the team. I was only hanging out with women because it was like, I can't hang out with more men. Yeah. Like this was just too much. I just like all of my really close friends from college that were not baseball players were women. So it's been an interesting, like we talk about the the balance of having, you know, the the light and the dark, you know, it's it's been an interesting evolution for me because I grew up, you know, with, spending most of my time with my grandmother and mother and then just going into these hyper masculine, like kind of old school masculine environments. So it's been a real evolution in kind of figuring it all out for myself.
2: Yeah. And, and you probably won't figure it all out and that's totally right. fine, but yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's, A lot of the men that I've spoken to, it was really interesting. The first round of men who take baths that I ever did, I, I, I just, I picked men in my immediate circle, um, or that I, you know, that, that were acquaintances and I knew well enough to ask them to participate because I really believe they exemplified this idea of like what it meant to be a man that I wanted to, to point and say, look, like, follow him a good one, you know? Mm -hmm. And, I didn't realize it until afterwards and I when I transcribed all the articles that all of the men that I had chosen for that first round all grew up without a father. And I could have never predicted that. But their behavior is what I was drawn to and who they were as men. And then to 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 see that and be like, oh my God, these they were all raised by a single mom. And that changed how they moved through the world. And it was upsetting to me because I thought, wow, like. How do we get to a point where we don't have to remove the father and have the mom carry both like that, the duality of, of father and mother caregiver in order for men to feel like they want to respect women? Um, that is so interesting that you're saying
1: that because I'm thinking back to my childhood and my dad was pretty much a single dad. My mom, you know, she had mental illness growing up and was not able to really take care of us, was in homes. And um, I have a twin brother and there was so much toxic masculinity. I, I've always felt like I'm the outsider. I'm the only girl. And there was so much name calling to me and, and shaming me. And I remember the first time that I ever went to therapy it was a family therapy session with my dad and my brother and myself because my brother um, in middle school would not stop calling me a whore, a slut. Like he was just like beating me up was just so like he was just so mean to me. And you know, I have a lot of compassion for him now looking back at, you know, his wounds and us not having our mom and you know, just being around my dad and my dad kind of made him his best friend. And they were just like bros. Mm -hmm. And I was just always left out in that way. And I had to create a lot of like autonomy from a young age of my and figure myself out, which actually created a kind of like a wounded masculine side of myself. And when I say that, I'm not talking about like, I, you know, again, feminine masculine energies, like I just took on this very masculine energy, because I needed to like, go out in the world and like, do me, I needed to get away from all of that. And I felt and I shut off a lot of my, uh, my feminine energy and my ability to feel free and, and that eroticism and that feeling of safe and feeling safe. I felt very unsafe with men for a very, very long time. Um, but also wanted to kind of conquer men because of that. Like there was an always an underlying, like, I feel like I wasn't respected. And so there was a lot of connecting the dots as I grew up of oh, here's this dynamic. And I would get into these dynamics again where I would be the only woman and I would be all with like, my business partners were always men. And I felt like, oh, I'm comfortable. I got this. I like, this is what I know, you know? But, and women actually were very intimidating to me. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is especially women who were in their feminine and powerful and and witchy and wonderful and amazing. And like, you know, and- I was always drawn to them and but terrified of them. And so I've been healing over this last year, especially what I call the witch wound for myself, Mm -hmm. which is where I really shut off my like, I'm going to call them superpowers because when I was younger, I really felt like I had superpowers and I always felt like a healer from a very young age. And then I just through circumstances had to like, you know, and I feel like this is very much like a story that a lot of us have, you know, this is the, the hero's journey, in a sense, like, you know, I had the, the it's like Cinderella and the evil stepsisters <laughs> and she had to clean and like, oh, you know, like we all have some version of that, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been really coming out of that. One of the things I'm curious what your thoughts are on this is when I'm attra- when I am scared of something, but there's some sort of, I can tell that it's because there's some sort of attraction to it, but it freaks me out. Yeah. I've been putting myself in the fire. Ooh, yeah. Like, go do I- it. Like go take a course from that person who's kind of turning you off because it's actually because there's sort of, they're a mirror for you.
2: Yes, 100%. I completely resonate with that. Um, also the like moving towards the thing that I'm like, I know the difference now between like resistance that I'm feeling because i don't because i'm 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 afraid of what i might find of myself in it versus the resistance that i feel or the wall that i hit when i'm when i'm no longer going down my proper path like i can sense the difference between those two things and what you're saying about like throwing yourself in the fire i too was intimidated because i I couldn't, it was so foreign to me. I couldn't understand these like sensual women. And truly one of the greatest ways that I healed was watching women with my partner. And, you know, we're in an open relationship. And so I I have, I had the privilege of watching women with him and in sexual situations. And seeing the power of that, that, that like femininity or whatever that power is of, of women who were in their power as women, you know, whereas I would stay safe in the masculine, because I felt like I needed to do that to like, get by, or be in the world. And that's where I felt safe. But watching watching women in kind of their like flowy kind of like s- seductress state allowed me to be like, Oh shit, there's so much more over there for me. And it's been really cool to, to tap into that. And what's what, what, the, the this, oh like revelation God. that I've had as of late was, um, healing the mother wound, um, in the sense of, Like, I feel in my mother energy currently. And what that means to me is I'm like, my capacity to love, not only to give love, but to receive love is so much greater than it's ever been right now. And I feel greatest sense of equilibrium or balance within myself between my masculine and feminine energy. And of course, I falter and I falter often and in spectacular ways. (laughs) But there's almost this like new center that I know I can return to. And I because I now know what that feels like. I know when I veer away from it. Yeah. Tell the listeners about your
1: birthday party.
2: Oh my goodness! My I saw birth. this. I don't, I don't even
1: know Mackie. Did you?
2: Did you? I, I missed it. No. Okay,
1: I'm an Instagram stalker sometimes, <laughs> and especially when something like that shows up, where I'm like, "What is happening here?" Because I'm really like intrigued by this. So, what kind well, of birthday I, party did you have? It
2: was. It was like essentially like a funeral. in in a sense, I remember when I was younger, I came across a fact about Edgar Allan Poe that he died on the day of his birth. And I was kind of envious. I was like, ah, oh, way to just close the loop perfectly, you know, like poetic death. Yes. And I was like, well, how do I have to wait or hope that I die on the day of my birth? Why don't I just like host my own funeral? And so for my birthday, it had this, like, I had a coffin that I, laid in and had flowers put on me and floated around in the pool and got to like, be, be dead listening to life happening around me. And it was so liberating to just kind of be like, oh, silly humans. And the whole party was just based on sensual indulgences and pleasure. And there were flowers everywhere because I, I came across this quote that said the earth laughs in flowers and i wanted us to remember beauty and laughter especially after coming out of the famine of the pandemic and not being able to touch each other or feeling a fear when whenever that distance is closed and so um it was at one of my subs houses so i have a couple of, of submissives um, and the whole place was just decorated with flowers. It was all about fruits and touching each other and oils. And I painted naked on a canvas while one of my friends did a fire spinning show for everyone. And then one of my other subs was there wearing a maid's costume and a pig mask and giving pedicures. And the champagne fountain was there. And there was a mushroom buffet bar that I put together for everyone. And the, the most important moment truly was that the first half of the party was just for women. It was called the goddess playground and men were permitted to enter the garden after six. And so 10 minutes to six after just this beautiful day of, of feminine energy and indulgences, I go, okay, I, I don't want everyone to be startled, but it's 10 minutes to six and the men are going to come soon. And they're like, no, <laughs> no, we must sit and let's meditate and welcome them into this space. And we sat down in a circle and we we, we did a beautiful breathing exercise. and, And I said, the way that if you have felt today, the comfort, the ease, the flow, the connection, that doesn't have to change when they arrive. And when they arrive, don't expect of them that they are going to bring that down or that you have to bring yourself down. Expect that they are too entering with love in their hearts and compassion and a a desire to be held just like you have today. And if we expect that they're showing up with love and we show up with love and open arms for them, that's when we will enhance the party rather than it being this like severance of everything that you were allowed to be when the men weren't here. And so that's the meditation that that we did before the garden gates opened, so to speak, and the men came in and it was beautiful because the energy continued. And that was that's amazing. That's such a, that is such a badass party
0: <laughs>
1: and it's so playful. And, you know, I think that we talk a lot about on this show, cultivating more play in life. Right. And letting yourself as adults indulge, yes. like the you said you wanted to have a, like an indulgent experience. I yes. think that that is remarkable. Thank you. And to think about what that really means for each one of us and indulging in the senses and beauty and just having it all, whatever that is for you, you know, in that moment. And then inviting others to share that experience and opening up their hearts with that is very cool. Before we hop off, because I have a feeling the listeners are going to to have a few questions about the the submissive and the dominant and the all can't so I, 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 that could be a whole nother episode in itself, but how long has that been something you've been involved in? And, and ha- I know that's sounds like something that helped you heal your own shame you were experiencing with sexuality. I'm very interested in that. So, um, you know,
2: yeah, I'll whatever it, you want to share with that. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to. I, uh, I, the dumpling truck is back just in case you can hear it. <laughs> And I know everyone is just waiting to know what well, these. All the are Chinese
1: restaurants in everyone's towns are going to be bumping tonight. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. all getting
2: dumplings. <laughs> um, I always had this piece of me that would manifest as you know I'd be in leadership roles. I'm the oldest sister of two younger brothers, and it was like I had this fire within me that I that I cultivated throughout my life, but. I didn't know that something like, like BDSM or dominance and submission was available to me. It just wasn't on my radar. And I went out for, uh, on a date with this, with this man. And it was, it was strange because I can usually get a sense of a person almost instantaneously. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't place him. I couldn't read him and it was frustrating for me. And so I went out on a couple more dates and by the end of the second or third date or whatever, You know, he hadn't kissed me, and so I was kind of like, "Whatever, this person's confused. I'm confused." And so I sent him a message, and I was like, "Listen, it's not going to work out." And you know, he's like, "Okay." And then I sent my friend a message saying, "You know, I kind of I got rid of that guy. Like, I think he's gay." But I sent that to him by accident. Oh no! So I see that the little bubbles pop up, and I'm like, "Whatever he says to this, I totally deserve it." I'm like, "I'm going to have to sit here, and I will take it." And he goes, "Go on." I was like, "Go on." He's like, tell me more what, like what you think of me. And I was, and it didn't even, I knew in my core that this person wanted me to humiliate them and they enjoyed that feeling. And we ended up having the most incredible two hour conversation where he opened up completely to me. And then he says, can I take you somewhere you've never been before? And I was like, sure. That obviously means just like another restaurant in Toronto. And I checked my inbox and I had two tickets to Berlin. Whoa. Yes. And so I'm in the Uber on my way to the airport googling how to be a dominatrix. But how did and you I, put those two things together? Because the the 2-hour conversation that we had was about humiliation and oh. submission and 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 like uh BDSM and and being a dom and all these things. Okay. And so when we were going to Berlin it was like this is what that person wanted they wanted to submit to me in this way and so i was like i got to i got to step into this and so i'm googling all these things and i'm realizing like oh my god i already have this i already do this oh this is that feeling that i've had my whole life wow and i got to berlin and i didn't have a chance to become i didn't get to just be like okay i'm going to just like try to be this i was just like you are or you are not and i was like i am and the first thing that I had this person do, I was reading this book of erotic poems from the 1400s that my friend had gifted me. So it already felt super romantic. But I'm laying on the bed after I had just had a bath and I'm reading this book and I call him up to my room because I, I he, you know, he put me in the suite and he stayed in like a little shoebox room in the hotel we were staying at. And I don't look up for my book while well, he comes to the door and he goes, what can I do for you, Queen Nicole? And I go, drain my dirty bath water. And he walks over and he drains my bathwater for me and goes, anything else? And I still don't look for my book. And I go, nope. And he leaves and the door latches. And I go, Oh my fucking God, (laughs) I did it. I did it. And I felt his joy in being told what to do by me in my certainty. So where does that come from? Like
1: that, because you know, I can think, and a part of me thinks. Oh that that's so like mean, you know, to be like but so so this is where I want the the like psychology behind this and like, you know, what it's really doing for someone cuz he's getting pleasure and joy out of this in the same way that you're deriving
2: pleasure and joy. So, um it's to surrender mm. really at the base of it. S- submission is the opportunity to surrender. Into the trust that you have, that other person will guide you towards what it is that you want and who you want to be. And I look at like a dom sub dynamic as as the dom, you are the gatekeeper to a version of themselves that they don't feel they can access without you. So when we're talking about being yourself in that dynamic, you are helping someone get closer to who they are and, and, and pull apart the layers of like shame and resistance and, and, and this like thing that they felt that they needed to hide slowly. Mm. You're giving them a space to, you're giving them a space to, to be.
1: I'm just, I'm so, I'm like, okay, I need to read a book on this now. Like, I'm so like intrigued. And (laughs) also I'm like, Mackie, were you like, she's already doing this. (laughs) my nature <laughs> get me water <laughs> water boy <laughs> and like um but yeah it's like how do you create that healthy dynamic when you're doing it I mean there, there's definitely rules I'm sure right or for this that oh, yeah, you know where you're not
2: yeah being, consent
1: yeah yes that could see it as being a slippery slope they for people who try shame. this on like people who try this on without without really having context for it and they're not doing it in a safe container. It can be a slippery slope of like hurting the other person and feeling disrespected.
2: You can, yes, you can tell when something is coming from a place of of uh, disconnect from that person versus when it's coming from a place of love. Mm. And everything in the dynamic is coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of of saying through instruction. You are completely accepted by me. You are so loved by me that I am willing to do this for you, to guide you, to observe you and give you something that I know that you need, that you don't even, you don't even know how to, that you don't know how to get. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the privilege, responsibility of being in that, in that dominant role. And this is, again, this is in these workshops, I help women remember the connection they have to that power from a heart centered place. So, so is, we can lead. So, from so that is it place. always
1: women in your, in the positions of being the dominatrix or are they are there sometimes where they're submissive? Do you change roles or do you kind of stick to, to the one role? I, I help
2: no, it's, it, the workshop is called The Embodiment of Dominant and Submissive Self. Mm-hmm. So it's six weeks. And the first three weeks, we focus more on the dominant self. And then the, the next three weeks, we focus, well, two, two weeks in a bit. Uh, and then we kind of integrate the, the submissive self. Because I think it's really important to understand both and to feel like both have power. So even if you look at, like, if we're going to put it into masculine and, and feminine, like the dominant being the more masculine, the submissive being the more feminine, um it's about touching in on both meeting even resistances within yourself in both and then reconciling that and bringing it together to feel the completeness of power and I say like power is the ability to move energy. And so you can, if you can recognize stuck or stagnant energy in another, by even distilling it down to like, is this person in a dominant state or a submissive state? And then being able to be the counterbalance to that. That's how you create momentum. That's how you create movement. And that's power. Yeah, this is so exciting to me. And I feel like in our relationship over the
1: last 11 years, how it's evolved, we've been supporting each other with this like recognizing these power dynamics and you know not looking at them necessarily from from you know a dominant submissive but more of in the masculine and the feminine and like i've been really in my masculine for so long and you've been in more of your feminine and we've been trading roles lately in that i'm like you be masculine i'm gonna be in my feminine like messy chaotic i'm surrendering because i'm burnt out i need to like just be in beauty go in nature like touch myself whatever i need to do for myself right now and then you're taking on this role of like being like power empowered and and going out there and a lot of like structure and create and you're creating things and doing and um at first i I, resisted
2: that i do just want to laugh at one thing you said where you're like i'm going to be in more my, my my feminine and then you're like and i and i and I said, and you be in your masculine. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it has to start there, right? Because I'm not, it's what? a work in progress,
1: man. Like I am by no means, like this is a real shift for me this last year, recognizing this, you know, like recognizing how, how I like, I'm not, how wasn't in my power because I was so in like one state yes. and really in, in a scarcity state, really. Um, and so, trying something else on lately, and I'm so grateful to have had you on the show to even inspire me more with this, because, you know, for for men, with you know, men who take baths to to get more in touch with themselves, than women healing parts of themselves, we can again create more wholeness and yep. move energy and and be more powerful. And yep. there's just a lot to that that's just so beautiful. So, yeah. yeah. Any um where can the listeners find you and when are your next courses or any coming up?
2: I would say the easiest place really would be Instagram. That's kind of where I where I post whatever it is that I'm up to and whatever's coming up next. Um so yeah, my Instagram is Nicole Double L, um, which I'm sure you, you'll put in some yeah, show we'll notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the in the show notes, everything. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Um people can can contact me there and they're kind of it's the main portal that leads to girls who say fuck, which is where I run the courses and men who take baths, which you can find and the orgasm book and sexual debut and all of these things that I'm trying to do to just keep this wonderful conversation going about change and, and power and, and identity. Yes. The
1: sexual freedom philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's an, I, I got that from the article. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's lame. I mean, yeah this is powerful. Like you stepping in and taking this on and feeling called to this kind of work is it's, uh, it's no small feat. So I am like, just in awe of you doing all of that.
2: It's really, really amazing. There's many times where I feel like the universe gives me permission to continue. And even the fact that I get to have this conversation with the both of you feels like permission to continue. So thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you.